trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. This is the place where we revel in wrong think. But we don't just stop there. No, sir. We also find courage and camaraderie and the recognition that uh, no matter how it feels, no matter how the deck seems stacked against us, we are not alone when it comes to uh, trying to see the world as it is and use our influence as wisely as we possibly can. Our show is brought to you each weekday, Monday through Friday. Got a couple of hours of show every day in which I try to share with you the best possible information that I can find to shed some light on the world and and also to uh, to help give you some perspective and, and maybe a little kick in the seat of the pants to uh, stand up and be counted. I'm not trying to tell you you have to agree with me because you don't. I'm just saying that uh, there's there's a lot of narrative management out there. There's a lot of, let's see, what was the word that I've heard? Oh, misinformation. <laughs> Although uh, what, what I'm doing on a daily basis is probably considered misinformation by those who, uh, you know, run the systems that seek to rule us. Nonetheless, our program is brought to you by MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com. By the way, an excellent website to check out if you have been having any inkling or promptings to, you know, get stocked up on some food storage. If you want to do little packages, if you want to do a big, you know, year supply, you can do it all from lifesavingfood.com. Pure-light.com. Wonderful air cleaning light bulbs. Yeah, you got to go to their website and learn a little bit more about them. HSLammo.com and the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. So here's one of the things that I have a really... I have I have a difficult time in the sense that uh, I want to tell people what's happening. I want to know what's happening. That means I spend a pretty fair amount of my time just, uh, you know, perusing the news. I, I try to keep an eye on what's happening. So when someone says, hey, have you heard about this? I don't have to sit there looking like a brook trout. I can just, well, of course, I, yeah, I'm quite familiar with this. Okay, it's not so much about having, you know, the answer or knowing everything about it, but I just don't want to be in the dark. So that makes me a little bit of an information junkie. But when you when you pay attention, when you try to remain aware of what's going on, there's a really good possibility you're going to give yourself media overload. And one of the surest ways that you're you're going to be you know, reaching that threshold of, of what is or what isn't media overload is when you uh, find yourself suffering from a feeling of hopelessness, saturated in negativity. So I, I saw an article yesterday, actually, I guess it was just a commentary someone had posted about uh, something called rage bait. And what they're referring to here is the the dynamic by which media sources get us to click, whether it's social media, whether it's traditional media, corporate media, the the headlines alone can get us to click because we're like, oh, that sounds like garbage or that's, yes, yes, I believe this always, you know, they they have manipulation in mind. 
And writing good headlines, by the way, that's, I mean, that's, that's an art form in and of itself. But if you want to stay aware without getting stuck in an endless loop of bad news, here are just a few things to consider. There's a lot going on in the world right now that uh, is negative in nature. I mean, the rising prices, wildfires, drought, disease, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, the whole thing going on in South Africa. You know, some pretty ugly stuff. And while we have uncharted economic and political territory ahead, things are looking really unstable in both of those areas. And we may not know how to navigate that. This is the time to be particularly careful about your own thought processes. Here's what I mean. It's good to be cognizant of how media shapes our outlook on life. And by the way, that includes this program too. And as much as it pains me to say this, if I am bringing too much negativity through the content that I'm sharing, then it's time to turn me off. Better still, I'd appreciate it if you sent me a note and said, Brian, dude, you're, <laughs> you're bumming me out here. You know, don't, uh, don't bring me down. Because sometimes I need to be reminded. I get, to, I get in chicken little mode and I you know, can't help. But I got to say something about this. Somebody's got to say something. Your feedback really is important. But if you consume rage bait, it will leave you feeling hopeless. What does it look like? Well, one click leads to another, leading to another. And, you know, before you know it, you're completely saturated by negativity. And this kind of consumption of information will warp your mind. It's insidious in how it alters your perception of the world around you. And I don't care how stalwart you feel, how, you know, stout your heart is, how stiff your upper lip may be. It will crush you if you let it. So I'm not suggesting, hey, hide your head in the sand, turn your back on anything that even has the slightest hint of negativity. But I'm urging caution. If you frivolously give your flying flip to situations that you absolutely have no power to change, you're giving away some of your mental and moral energy. And by the way, there's a finite amount of mental bandwidth that every one of us has. And if we deplete that, it's going to leave us disheartened, especially if we're depleting it on negative information. So we need to keep our wits about us. We need to watch that our emotions aren't getting in the way of our ability to move forward, grow, and improve. I mean, that, that is the purpose of life, right? Okay, just, you know, checking. So here's the thing. If you find yourself becoming increasingly depressed, anxious, volatile, or your emotions getting in the way of your happiness or sound thought processes, be aware that it could be linked to your consumption of rage bait. Now, you have a choice of giving it your finite supply of attention or not. So when you see an article that grabs your attention, oh, I can't believe that headline, it's time to stop and think. Will this article change how I conduct my affairs? Or is it just another thing to be upset about? And depending on how you answer the emotional expense that comes with that article or the click on that thread may not be worth your attention. In fact, it could actually be a liability. I mean, I don't want to blow sunshine up your skirt here, but I'm going to say we've survived a lot, okay? We've been through a lot in the last 18 months. Why not take those lessons 
and apply what worked in terms of helping us get through and cope to future issues as well as current issues. This is the balance I'm trying to strike. So, you know, if if you can offer insight on this, I am open to any ideas. My idea here is, you know, tune in if you wish, but always be cognizant of how the information that you consume affects you. If you're feeding yourself a steady diet of negative, scary stories, you're probably going to have a pretty negative outlook, right? That stands to reason. At the same time, you don't want to be blindsided by something that, you know, hey, where did that come from? That was just out of the blue. How could this have possibly happened? So I can't tell you where the uh, balance is for you. Truth be told, I'm trying to figure out where the balance is for myself as well. But be extra careful. You know, I, and, and I'm saying this with the understanding, be extra careful even with the stuff that I'm sharing with you. I'm trying to give good information. I'm trying to give information that not only informs, but also enlightens and maybe even inspires people to step up and be who they were born to be. I was thinking about this yesterday and, and posted a few thoughts on, on Facebook. I mean, I, I discovered a long time ago that discussing current events was fun and informative. So much fun, in fact, I made a career out of it. But lately, I have felt an intense responsibility to speak the truth as clearly and as lovingly and as sincerely as possible. Not because I have all the answers, but because I feel like I have a personal duty to use my platform, big or small as it may be, to be a voice that people can trust not to deceive them. And I don't know how to put into words the gravity that I feel in trying to be that trusted voice. Because I'm also very aware of how little I actually know about anything. We need more people that will speak the truth. Even if their voice is shaking. There's not much you can trust right now. And I think our media, thankfully, is you know, reinforcing this. Not there to inform us, but there to keep us from getting a little too close to the truth. We still need to be truth seekers, but we just can't be the kind of truth seekers who are wallowing in negativity. I hope this makes sense. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, we are back. Okay, now I get to try to make good on all those lofty ideals about, hey, I'm not trying to scare you. But here's a scary story. <laughs> okay, maybe this one isn't so scary, but it's it's a little bit uh, concerning and really kind of annoying. All right, let's see if we can avoid the, the, avoid the rage bait here. So yesterday we learned the White House is giving cues to Facebook as to which content providers need to be silenced. Got a great article here from Robbie Suave from Reason.com. He's pretty plain, too, in what he says here. He's like, hey, the government should not be telling Facebook to suppress what it's calling COVID-19 misinformation. So it starts with a quote from White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. 
who yesterday singled out a dozen specific anti-vaccine Facebook accounts and called on Facebook to ban them. What she said was the federal government is stepping up its effort to purge the Internet of COVID-19 misinformation. I guess that would be anything that uh, contradicts their their narrative. Saki said there's about 12 people who are producing 65% of vaccine misinformation on social media platforms. All of them remain active on Facebook, despite some even being banned on other platforms, including ones that Facebook owns. Now, she was discussing the Department of Health and Human Services report on confronting health misinformation. It instructs social media platforms to redesign their algorithms so that false information about COVID-19 is deprioritized. To shield journalists and medical professionals from harassment. Oh, by the way, that's interesting. In other words, to, uh, to prevent people from criticizing or questioning I assume that's what they mean by harassment, even to address misinformation during live streams. A task that the report admits is difficult given the stream's temporary nature and use of audio and video. So the Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, whom my friend Connor Boyack described as an unimportant man in a weird uniform, tweeted yesterday, We all have the power and responsibility to confront health misinformation. That's why we included recommendations for individuals, educators, researchers, health professionals, tech companies, and more. Now, Robbie Suave says the federal government is not explicitly ordering tech platforms to take down content. These dictates are essentially strongly worded suggestions, but you're forgiven if you think Saki's summary of the report sounded like command. She said, Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, violative posts. Posts that would be within their policy for removal re- often remain for up, up for days, and that's too long. They, the information spreads too quickly. Now, Saki was alluding to anti-vaccine content. Though the report itself impugns medical misinformation more broadly. Of course, the government itself has, spled, has spread plenty of medical and misinformation from early bad guidance on masks to the White House coronavirus czar Anthony Fauci's deliberate misstatements about herd immunity and the herd immunity threshold. For months, government health officials treated the lab leak theory of COVID-19's origins as a wild conspiracy theory. And Facebook followed suit. In fact, it vigorously censored content that promoted the lab leak theory. And that policy wasn't revised until June. Efforts by the government and tech programs to suppress misinformation have undeniably resulted sometimes in the suppression of information that's either factual or could plausibly turn out to be factual. This has been the case outside the realm of pandemic-related content as well. New initiatives undertaken by the federal government that would encourage Facebook to be even more heavy-handed with potential misinformation should be met with skepticism. The track record's just not very encouraging. Robbie Suave says the White House's targeting of Facebook should make critics a little sympathetic to Mark Zuckerberg's position. Prominent legislators from both parties, as well as the current and former presidents, want to aggressively regulate his company, if not break it apart entirely. Facebook's CEO must feel tremendous pressure to give federal health bureaucrats exactly what they're looking for, or exactly what they're asking for, or else. 
So instead of defending the rights of private companies to set their own moderation policies independent of whatever the government would like them to do, Republicans are taking this opportunity to further erode Facebook's autonomy. You have Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri suggesting the site's submission to the feds renders it an agent of the state. Hawley tweeted, social media platforms are increasingly just arms of the federal government and the Biden White House. Why should the big tech companies continue to be treated as private companies when they function as agencies of the federal government? Now, he's kind of got a point here. And actually, we're going to back this up with some commentary from Caitlin Johnstone here in just a moment. But Hawley's essentially saying a private company complying with the government becomes a state actor. And thus should be bound to the same restrictions as any other public agency. Former President Donald Trump's doomed social media lawsuits rest on a version of this argument. But Hawley and others are also attempting to punish these same private companies for not doing what the White House wants. In Hawley's case, he wants Facebook to suppress fewer posts. So there's a, there's a catch-22. Facebook is in trouble either way. Interesting. Now let's talk for a moment about uh, how, how some people are arguing, this is particularly the Biden administration, well, it's a private company. Facebook's a private company, so it's not censorship. Caitlin Johnstone says, in what's surely the biggest imagine the outrage if Trump had done that moment to date, you now have the Biden administration admitting that it's giving Facebook a list of accounts to censor for spreading what it calls disinformation about the COVID-19 response. Press Secretary Jen Psaki told the press on Thursday, we've increased disinformation research and tracking within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect medical experts with people who are popular with their audiences with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. Now, Saki told the White House press corps that the administration has a list of accounts who produce the most most of the anti-vaccine information on Facebook, which civil libertarians are decrying as an obviously authoritarian government overreach. Glenn Greenwald, one of the few voices out there that I I personally tend to trust as uh, as an unbiased source. I mean, he reports the good, the bad, and the ugly, regardless of whether it benefits you know his political leanings or not. That's a good sign. Glenn Greenwald said, the Biden administration is telling Facebook which posts it regards as problematic so that Facebook can remove them. This is the union of corporate and state power, one of the classic hallmarks of fascism that the people who spent five years babbling about fascism support. He says, if you don't find it deeply disturbing, that the White House is flagging Internet content that they deem problematic to their Facebook allies and telling them that this needs to be removed, then he says, you are definitionally an authoritarian. No other information is needed about you to know that. There is no circumstance, none, in which it's acceptable for the White House or any other agency of the government to be providing lists to Facebook of what it calls problematic content it wants removed. Yet that's exactly what Saki says they're doing. The White House is admitting they're compiling lists of people who they claim are posting content they regard as problematic and that constitute misinformation and are demanding Facebook remove them. 
This is authoritarian. Now, that brings us to the question, so why should you care? Well, I think uh, my best explanation would sound something like this. You, you should care about this because when it comes to developing your worldview, when it comes to nailing down your understanding of the world around you, you need to be the one who chooses what information or ideas you will consider. You don't need somebody protecting you from, you know, bad information. You need to be the person who can go through the information, sort it out, and make that decision for yourself. And there is no in-between. It's either you or it's someone else. Censorship is not your friend. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm encouraging you to take a look at today's show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. These are show notes for July 16th, 2021. And you'll find a couple of great links here. You'll find their link to Robbie Suave's article about uh, why the government should not be telling Facebook, hey, get rid of these posts or these posters that are problematic. Caitlin Johnstone is uh, further under underscoring this uh, this sentiment when she points out that the Biden administration is completely killing the argument that, well, it's a private platform, Facebook, so it's a private uh, business, therefore, you know, whatever they want to censor, that's okay. She says, the most common argument you'll hear from those who support monopolistic social media giants controlling speech on their platforms is that these are private corporations, not the government, so it doesn't count as censorship. But she says, whenever you object to Silicon Valley oligarchs exerting total control over the political speech of billions of people, mainstream liberals instantly transform into an army of Ayn Rands defending the private property rights of those companies. And the fact that these platforms are inseparably interwoven with the highest branches of the U.S. federal government kills such arguments stone dead. She says that if you were paying attention, that argument was already dead. All of these online platforms use censorship and algorithm manipulation to hide undesirable political speech from the mainstream public in direct collaboration with government and government-tied institutions. Back in 2017, she points out, Senator Dianne Feinstein threatened social media platforms, rather, that alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election means they need to start utilizing more censorship or else face consequences. What she said was, you created these platforms and they are being misused. And you have to be the ones to do something about it, or we will. Now, that same year, representatives from top Internet platforms were brought before Congress and told they need to adopt a mission statement expressing their commitment to prevent the fomenting of discord. Oh, you remember this one? Civil wars don't start with gunshots. They start with words. Well, in the lead up to the 2020 election online platforms, uh, in the, to the election, online platforms were openly coordinating with U.S. government agencies to censor speech believed to compromise election integrity. Facebook, the largest social, me- social media platform in the world, where a third of Americans regularly get their news, openly enlists the government and plutocrat-funded imperialist narrative management firm, the Atlantic Council, 
to help it determine what content to censor and what to boost. Now, Facebook has stated that if its fact checkers, like the Atlantic Council, deem a page or domain guilty of spreading false information, it will dramatically reduce the distribution of all their page-level or domain-level content on Facebook. I've talked with an awful lot of commentators here over the last few months who have felt that. They're like, man, it's like I've been banished to outer darkness. may just be the algorithm at work. Google, by the way, which owns YouTube, has been financially intertwined with U.S. intelligence agencies since its very inception when it received research grants from the CIA and NSA. It pours massive amounts of money into federal lobbying and D.C. think tanks, has a cozy relationship with the NSA, and has been a military intelligence contractor from the beginning. Justin Amash, Amash rather, on Twitter in response to Saki's incendiary admission, said, Americans deserve to know to what extent the federal government's working with social media companies. In other words, is there any quid pro quo? He says the First Amendment exists to keep the government from controlling what Americans hear. Free societies counter misinformation with information, not bans. Glenn Greenwald replied to Amash saying Democrats have summoned tech executives to the Congress at least four times in the last year. The last time they repeatedly and explicitly threatened regulatory and other legal punishment if they don't start censoring more. The content the Dems regard regard as disinformation or hate speech. By the way, just as a quick aside here. Disinformation. Hate speech. These are perfect examples of bogus predicates in that uh, they can be leveled against somebody or, you know, against a a particular content provider, but they're kind of a catch-all thing. You know, if if you don't believe this, look at the different fact checks that have been taking place, and and it's usually they're they're straining at some little gnat of minutia. Well, you know, uh, it says here that... uh, uh, President Biden or President, former President Trump said that the sky was blue. But our fact checkers found that he was wrong because upon further review, the sky is actually light blue. In other words, they're, they're often calling out distinctions without a difference. But this is a good point. In a corporatist system of government, there's no separation between corporate power and state power. In other words, corporate censorship is state censorship. Caitlin Johnston says the actual government, as it actually exists, is censoring the speech, not just of its own people, but people around the world. If U.S. law had placed as much emphasis on the separation of corporation and state as it had on the separation of church and state, the country would be unrecognizably different from what we see today. But she says only infantile narcissists and power-worshipping bootlickers want the most powerful government on earth controlling what people are allowed to say to each other about a virus response which affects everybody. And only those with no sense of self-preservation entrust worldwide human speech to an alliance of government agencies and powerful tech plutocrats. And she says we cannot keep heading in this direction. Amen. By the way, let's talk a little bit about uh, the COVID vaccine. I'm more than just a little bit bothered 
by what I'm seeing in terms of some of the language that is uh, is beginning to crop up regarding why you must vaccinate. And I mean, it, it could take very mild forms from, well, we're just going to send people out door to door, kind of like uh, vaccine missionaries to help bring the good news of the vaccination, you know, to uh, to the American public. But there are other places, France, for instance. They're actually attaching prison sentences. If you are unvaccinated and you go into this public place, like if you go to a restaurant, not only could you face criminal charges that could very well land you in prison, but the owner of the restaurant could face criminal charges for letting you sit there in the first place. Found a great article by C.J. Hopkins, who I believe lives in Germany. And he, he writes on a number of different topics, but this is one called The Approaching Storm. And when he talks about global cap, I, I guess he's talking about, you know, the global capitalism or basically the, the, that, that whole government corporate interface. He says, it looks like global cap isn't going to be happy until they have fomented the widespread social unrest or de facto global civil war that they need as a pretext to lock in the new pathologized totalitarianism and remake whatever remains of society into a global pseudo-medicalized police state. Or that appears to be where we're headed currently. But he says, we appear to be heading there at breakneck speed. Now he says, I don't have a crystal ball or anything, but I'm expecting things to get rather ugly this autumn, probably even uglier in the foreseeable future. Yes, friends, he says, a storm is coming. It's been coming for the last 16 months. And Global Cap is steering right into it. He says, I and many others like me have been tracking its relentless advance like a self-appointed international pathologized totalitarian hurricane center. You know, like the one in Miami, except all the meteorologists are conspiracy theorists. He says, we documented all the propaganda, the lies, the manipulation of statistics, the abrogation of constitutional rights, the new normal goon squads the corporate censorship, and all the rest of the rollout of the new official ideology and the totalitarian measures deployed to enforce it. And he says, Our efforts have not been in vain, but they have not been successful enough to change the course events are now taking. A course of events that has always been clear. A course that every totalitarian movement needs to take to get where it's going. You can't remake entire societies into quasi-totalitarian systems without civil unrest, chaos, rioting, war, or some other form of cataclysm. Brainwashing the masses is all fine and good, but he says at some point you need to goad the people who are resisting your new totalitarian reality into getting unruly so you can crack down on them and transform them into official enemies, which is what appears to be happening currently. Happening currently, rather. Global Cap is dialing up the totalitarianism and they are rubbing it in our faces. Here's where I'm going to pump the brakes for a moment because we're coming up on our break. But I think he's absolutely right. And I sense we are being pushed and prodded into what uh, those who want to rule us hope will be a violent response so they can say, see, they're the domestic terrorists that we told you they were. That means we got to be wise and we got to be careful. Don't take the bait give you some more examples from cj hopkins article when we continue right after these messages this is the brian hyde show 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, we are back. Just a quick shout-out to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Oh, yeah. If you're looking to buy a home right now, particularly in the state of Utah, which is where uh, Patriot Home Mortgage and the Heather Turner team are located, you are in luck. Now, there is a lot of competition. It's the hottest real estate market in uh, most people's memory. But if you need someone on your side, someone who has decades of experience in the lending industry, who understands exactly what the lenders need and exactly what borrowers need, Heather Turner's team at Patriot Home Mortgage is the one you want to count on. From traditional homes to reverse mortgages to VA loans, even existing, you're, you're refinancing your existing home loan. Yep, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage has the stability and the clout to make it happen and make it happen when time is of the essence. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. They're located at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George, Utah. You can call them at 435-703-4522. Sure grateful to have them as sponsors of the show. I'm sharing this article from C.J. Hopkins. This is published in offguardian.org, The Approaching Storm. So, things are unsettled here in America, but have you paid attention to what is happening in terms of vaccination and the mandate for vaccination. I think we're under a lot of pressure here. It feels like a lot of pressure to me. But it ain't as bad as some places. For instance, C.J. Hopkins says here in New Normal, Germany, prominent health officials are openly barking out Goebbelsian, Joseph Goebbelsian slogans like, no freedom for the unvaccinated. And the unvaccinated are a danger to society. That's a little scary. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just going back about 80 years or so and thinking, yeah, they're, they're, I think they did that with another group or two. All over Europe, including the UK, where Freedom Day is fast approaching, pseudo-medical social segregation systems are being implemented. In France, Greece, and many other countries, people who refuse to be vaccinated are being stripped of their jobs and otherwise punished. In the USA, where the unvaccinated are also being segregated, new normal goon squads are going door-to-door, bullying vaccine-hesitant families into conforming to the new official ideology. And so on. He says, I'm tired of citing the facts. They do not make the slightest difference to the vast majority of new normals anyway. In fact, he says, as I've noted in several previous columns, these people have surrendered their rationality. They've been subsumed into a totalitarian movement, which has now become their perpetual and social reality, which their sanity now depends upon defending. So facts mean absolutely nothing to them. But you already know the facts. Yes, you, us, the others, the unvaccinated, the COVID deniers. He says, you don't really think any hardcore new normals have made it this far into this column, do you? They haven't. They stumbled into it on the Internet and accidentally started to read it, and their brains switched off in the opening paragraph, literally, neurologically switched off. They recognized it as a threat to their reality and instantly erased it from their consciousness. Or, as they reported it to the proper authorities, perhaps the FBI. I don't even know if I want to try this German word. Anyway, or Facebook or some other global corporation. This is what it's come to, folks. He says, people are reporting other people's thought crimes to global corporations and law enforcement agencies of democratic governments 
in the hopes of destroying or damaging their lives, or at the very least, getting them censored or otherwise erased from public view. He says, as I noted in my previous column, our societies have been torn apart. We're living in two mutually hostile realities, a state which cannot continue indefinitely. The problem for us, in other words, the unvaccinated, is that we probably constitute somewhere around 20 to 25 percent of the population. So we are vastly outnumbered by the new normals. The problem for the new normals is we probably constitute somewhere around 20 to 25 percent of the population, which is way too many people to imprison or otherwise remove from society. Thus, their plan is to make our lives as miserable as possible, to segregate us, stigmatize us, demonize us, bully and harass us, and pressure us to conform at every turn. They're not going to put us on trains to the camps. Global Cap is not the Nazis. They need to maintain the simulation of democracy. So what they need to do is transform us into an underclass of anti-social conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxer disinformationists, white supremacist election result deniers, potentially violent domestic extremists, and whatever other epithets they can come up with, so that we can be painted as dangerously unhinged freaks and cast out of society in a way that makes it appear that we have cast ourselves out. Now, this process is already well underway. It's only going to get more intense, which will inevitably lead to social unrest. The hardcore unvaccinated are not going to go quietly. Again, this isn't Nazi Germany. There are too many of us who are already resisting. They can segregate us, ban us from traveling, black out our protests, censor us, deplatform us, cancel our bank accounts, and otherwise harass us. But they cannot forcibly disappear us. So they're going to keep goading us until we lose it. We have demonstrated incredible discipline so far. But eventually we're going to run out of patience. It's going to get messy. People will get hurt. Which, of course, is exactly what Global Cap wants. Nothing will make them happier than if we turn ourselves into the violent extremists they've been conjuring into existence for the last five years. They desperately need us to become those extremists before we embolden too many others with our disinformation, vaccine hesitancy, election result denial, and general distaste for the whole global capitalist ideological program. And he says, unfortunately, they're probably going to get their wish. What we need is an organized global campaign of classic, nonviolent civil disobedience. But they're not going to give us time to organize that. They're going to keep the pressure on, crank up the pace and the official propaganda and the absurdity and the confusion and the ever-changing rules and the mass hysteria and the blatant lies until we start flipping out in restaurants and in pubs and schools and on public transportation and segregated new normal establishments start getting nocturnally vandalized or worse and other forms of direct action are taken. At which point, game over, because they will have won. We will be the extremists they warned us about and they'll be able to do whatever they want with us and our former, now new normal friends will applaud or just look away in silence. Now he says, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some new normals are still reading this essay and can still at this late stage regain their senses. Maybe we can still avoid the storm and the full implementation of new normal reality. He says, I know, I'm probably a hopeless idealist, but let me give you a quick anecdote before I let you go. 
He says, I've been kind of nudging or politely badgering Glenn Greenwald, who I respect and have always respected, to grow a pair and at least speak out against the totalitarian features of the new normal movement. Glenn is totally on board with the official COVID narrative, and he's made it clear that he has no interest in using his investigative journalism skills to investigate that official narrative. Despite that, C.J. Hopkins says, I have continued to nudge him and politely prod him and otherwise urge him to maybe post a few critical words or raise a few investigative journalist questions about the most flagrant official propaganda campaign in the history of official propaganda campaigns and the blatantly totalitarian actions of governments all over the world. Shortly thereafter, and he says, I'm sure this was just a coincidence, because Glenn doesn't follow the consent factory, he tweeted this bit of new normal blasphemy. Glenn said, the UK is one of the most vaccinated countries on the earth. 70% have at least one dose. More than half have both. The CDC says vaccinated people need not wear masks. So why do experts who keep insisting the vaccine works demand people act as if it doesn't? Why ignore CDC advice? So, C.J. Hopkins says apparently it is, in fact, still possible for people who believe the official COVID narrative as if it were the word of God to speak out against some aspect of it or just politely question the logic of it or otherwise stop behaving like a bunch of mindlessly obedient good Germans as a new iteration of totalitarianism is rolled out right in front of their eyes. He says, yes, I know I'm clutching at straws, but I have this crazy faith in people on top of which I'm getting old. So I'm not looking forward to the street fighting part of this as much as I would have 30 or 40 years ago. Oh, and he says, I almost forgot to all my friends in the new normal UK. Have a lovely Freedom Day. <laughs> the guy has a sense of humor. But let's, uh, let's move forward from here with the understanding. Yeah, you've got a decision to make. I don't think you can hide from this one. I don't think I can either. There is no safe place where we can just, you know, well, we'll just wait this out until people sort it out and, you know, everybody comes to their senses. Nope, I think the decision of pass or play as it pertains to vaccinations is going to be forced upon every one of us. And if you wait until that moment to try to make your decision, I'm sorry, you've waited too long. The decision will already have been made. This is the time to steal yourself, grow a set, and stand firm. This is The Brian Hyde Show.